everybody and welcome back to the surely you can't be serious podcast are you guys ready i'm ready it feels so good to be here with mr jeff johnson i am all fired up i got my salt and a little lick of lime and whether you want a lover or a friend we have the tools to satisfy ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the surely you can't be serious podcast where after three long years we are finally tackling van halen again How's it going, Jeff? It is going great, guys. Thank you for having me. I always appreciate any any opportunity I get to talk music. Most of the time, it's always movies or TV, but I love talking music, so I, I appreciate especially uh, one of my all-time favorite bands. Jeff, tell us a little bit about the Film By Podcast. As far as what we do at A Film By Podcast, uh, me and Brad Kozo, my co-host, we basically wax intellectual about uh, our favorite directors, their underrated hits, and what we love about them kind of started us off and then we kind of led into a couple smaller limited series that we had some fun with uh 1986 we covered a, a lot of fun movies obviously you guys were a, were a part of that we're in the middle of um 1976 you know which d joined me for the very first episode when we we covered outlaw josie Wales. so that was a fantastic we, uh, time thank you d we like to have we like to have a good conversation about movies and uh and the directors that we that we we appreciate. So we are here today to talk about Van Halen's OU812. It was their second album with singer Mr. Sammy Hagar came out in 1988. This is a part of our Summer of 88 series and we are comparing it to Cinderella's album Long Cold Winter. Jason picked both of these and I'm I'm happy about your picks, man. Thank Good you. Choice. Thank you very much. These albums were both huge for me the summer of 1988. This is actually going to conclude our deep dive into the summer of 1988. Released May 24th, 1988, so right about the same time as Cinderella. I think that was the first week in July. So I think it's a perfect matchup. I'm excited to, to dive into this with you guys. Jeff, what did this album mean to you, man? I was introduced to Van Halen. I want to say the first time I ever heard Van Halen was third grade. A group of kids at a talent show uh, at my elementary school were doing jump and they were they were sixth graders. They were way older than me. So I, you know, I just was like, these guys are awesome. I didn't understand that this wasn't really Van Halen, but uh, fell in love with the band, um, love their music. I was one of the people, you know, when, when Dave left and Sammy shows up for 5150, I was like, okay, this is different. And I still love it. So this being uh, their second one with Sammy, I, I feel like this one kind of solidified that Sammy was here to stay. He could he could handle the the job, and we had we had Van Halen again. What about you, D? What do you think? This one is another album that I didn't own. Both of these albums were albums I didn't own in '88. I think I've kind of mentioned before '88 was the time that I was starting to learn how to play the guitar and started to listen to all the music from the '70s. And so I wasn't buying a whole lot of albums in '88. I think the last new album that I bought in '88 was Poison. So I got introduced to some songs that I hadn't heard before when I listened to this album, and I'm excited to talk about. It. Awesome. So this is the summer I turned 15. I'm not quite driving yet, but music is very important to me. It's the time in my life where I carried cassettes around just in case somebody had a boombox, right? <laughs> and uh, so I know I bought this album within a week of its release date. I don't think I bought it day of. 
But within a week, I mean, when I heard when it's love, I'm like, uh, mom, can you take me to the record store, please? <laughs> I talked to Arlen, friend of the show. He called me right before we started recording and I told him what we were doing. And I said, who we're comparing it to. And he said, he can remember long, cold winter came out. He was with his friend who had just set up his new amp in his car. They put long, cold winter in and the amp caught on fire. Wow. He oh. said, had these albums wrapped around him in 1988. They were both big movers and shakers for him back then. But uh, just to give you a tip of the hat for him, he picks Van Halen over Cinderella for this matchup. Okay, interesting. Arlen's got good taste. He always sides with you is what you're saying. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I think that's exact his exact words. I'm siding with Jason on this one. I'm like, well, what does that mean? I don't know what he's picking. He's like, oh, he's picking Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> we will see very shortly. Okay, so guys, if you are sort of new to the Shirley podcast. This group is one that we've covered before. I think this was like our fourth episode. We had a three-part episode on this deal. We talked all kinds of history. So if you're interested in the deep dive of Van Halen history, go back to our Van Halen versus Van Hagar parts one, two, three, and four, and check that out. We had a great time because we love this band so much. But just to sum up, Alex Van Halen was born in 1953. Eddie Van Halen was born in 1955. And in November of that year, Marty McFly accidentally invented rock and roll music. <laughs> and the rest is history. Real briefly, uh, they formed a band. Eddie had initially wanted to play the drums, but then Alex took over that job. Eddie bought a guitar. Because they didn't have a PA system, they said, hey, let's stop renting one for 10 bucks a month and let's, uh, let's see if that guy who owns his own PA system wants to sing for us. So they had that singer for a little while. Actually had him long than the PA system because it eventually broke down again. And another band called Snake had a bass player who said, hey, you guys can use our PA system. That guy's name was Michael Anthony. And that's how he joined the band. And then they met Gene Simmons. Things didn't work out, but eventually they did produce their first album under their name, which uh, their singer had suggested they use their own name for the band. And that was Van Halen. And they actually had a guy that they wanted to come sing for the band. The producers, the managers of the band had this guy that they wanted to come sing for the band because the singer that they had was a little iffy and he turned him down. It was got lead singer from a band called Montrose, a guy named Sammy Hagar. And he's like, nah, I don't think I'm interested in doing that. Well, Sammy Hagar ends up getting together with these guys a few years later when that sketchy singer that they have finally fades out. And what we get first album from the new singer is an album called 5150. Which has an entirely new sound. And then this, the album that we're here to talk about today is called OU812. Okay. So you're exactly right. When the, the previous singer whose name shall not be mentioned in this episode, <laughs> yeah. right? Because we don't want to be a, a, a comparison episode. But when he left, there was a vacancy, obviously. And Eddie's a car guy. Sammy's a car guy. Their car is in the shop. They have the same mechanic. His name is Claudio Zampoli. And he's there. And Eddie says, whose car is that? That Ferrari right there. He says, Sammy Hagar. He's just completed his boa tour where he had the big hit song i can't drive 55 
And he said, why don't you call him up? He's available. You need a singer. He's a solo guy. Why don't you call him? Sammy had just finished his tour. Eddie calls him up and says, hey, let's jam. Maybe you can join Van Halen. Sammy's like, dude, I am burned to a crisp. I can't do it right now. Let me rest for a few days and I'll call you back. And so ultimately they got together. When they met up, Sammy said the studio looked like a bar that had never been cleaned before in like 30 years. <laughs> said there were cigarettes everywhere. It smelled terrible. There's trash and pizza boxes. And he said they were both just drunk as skunks. And then when they started to play, magic happened. And so he said, if these guys can play this well when they're this hammered, I mean, these guys are just truly gifted musicians. Ultimately, Sammy joins Van Halen. Of course, he goes on to make 5150, which I absolutely love. But the price for Sammy to leave Geffen Records at the time, he was Geffen's biggest artist at that moment. And so the price for him leaving Geffen and going to Warner Brothers with Van Halen was he had to come up with a solo album. A lot of people forget Sammy Hagar dropped the solo album between 5150 and OU812 called I Never Said Goodbye. And it actually had a hit song called Give to Live and another one called Eagles Fly. Right after Sammy finished his tour pushing his solo album, the brothers Van Halen have been working on tunes. He flies back home and immediately they pick him up at the airport. They say, hey, good to see you. Check this out. I want to play a song for you. And he said, magic came through the speakers that day. And we'll talk about that song in two songs. When OU812 comes out, it's May 24th, 1988. Now, the interesting thing to me is the timeline here, okay? They are recording through April of 88. It drops May 24th of 88. They've got no time to shoot a video. Their first single has no video. It drops May 24th. Then they go on to the Monsters of Rock tour, May 27th. So literally, finish recording, mix it, put it out, no video, instant touring, starting May of 1988. On that Monsters of Rock tour, you had Kingdom Come, The Scorpions, Dokken, Metallica, Van Halen. A very, a very, at the time, unknown Metallica. That's an interesting lineup to me. I don't think those really go together super well. The Monsters of Rock tour, I think it originates over in Europe, and it's known for a heavier sound. I, I think I even remember reading something where Van Halen took a little issue with the controversy around the name, because in America, people are like, this isn't this isn't heavy. Metallica withstanding, you've got some great rock bands, but you don't have a heavy metal lineup. Yeah, we're the Monsters of Rock, but it's kind of weird. You look at those vintage posters, those playbills, Dokken is actually above Metallica's name, you know? Crazy, right? Which is crazy, but you know, you have to remember this is... This is maybe, what, a year, six months to a year after Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors comes out. So Dokken oh, yeah. has resurged with their Dream Warriors song, and everyone loves Dokken. I called friend of the show, Blaine Peterson, before we started today, because I know he went to the Monsters Rock Tour in Dallas. Ooh. He did not answer the phone call, so Blaine, I'm, I'm mad at you, but he has told me about that before. I think he and just a few buddies just scrounged together some money, drove down to Dallas, and uh, he got separated at the concert. And had a really hard time getting back to the hotel because this is before cell phones. If you got oh, separated wow. from your buddies at a concert and you didn't know where you were going, it was a it was a tough deal. But anyway, 
So OU812, the original working title is? Bone. Bone? Bone. Bone. Mm. Terrible. Yeah. Now uh, the, Alex Van Halen thought so as well. So Yeah, the guy that used to sing with Van Halen had come out with an album just a bit before called Eat em and Smile. Uh, he was not happy about the breakup and the way that they talked about him after he left. And so in an interview, he said something to the effect of, oh, you want to play that way? Well, we can do that too. Just eat them and smile. And so that became his album. And a lot of people think that the album title that they ultimately came up with was a response to that title. But I think they have denied that. I've uh, I've actually got something interesting on that story. So Sammy claims that he got the idea when he saw it on a delivery truck on the freeway. It was a uh, you know on the panel truck. He got a he got a laugh out of it and thought, yeah, that's that's great. But I decided to prepare because you guys are famous for going down the rabbit hole, the deep dive. <laughs> so I've got something. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and blow your mind with a little bit more on on the OU812 title. Bring it. How about this? In 1980, OU812 was actually the license plate on the stolen red Ferrari in a film called Cheech and Chong's next movie. Do you guys ever see that one? Remember that one? You got, you know, they steal the car at the Cheech and Chong movies <laughs> at four years old. No, I definitely was not, but uh, in my awesome. teen years, I was. Now, it goes a little bit further here. Cheech and Chong's next movie, that's the feature film debut of a character that Paul Rubens creates. Talk about Pee Wee Herman. Are you serious? Let's go, Jeff. Everyone assumes that Pee Wee's Big Adventure is like, hey, this is the first time we we see Pee Wee on the big screen. It's not. And if you watch uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie, you know, a lot of a lot of the action takes place at the the comedy store in L.A. And Pee Wee Herman is one of the comedians. He also plays the desk clerk at the hotel where uh, Cheech and Chong are staying. So Mr. Herman. (laughs) <laughs> was not yeah he had some uh yeah not, not his first time doing the um the desk clerk but i got a kick out of that you know think that think is about awesome that. you blew my mind with that one man that's fantastic and i'll go and i'll go one more and i can't ahead, really yeah. confirm this allegedly if you go back to the first season of taxi they're actually the first episode of taxi was all about the payphone where it was given free phone calls away if you take a look at that payphone the, the concrete cinder wall payphone's on You'll see amongst the graffiti, OU812 is is written on the concrete. I watched that episode and I was wow. trying to pinpoint it, but you know it's not a, not exactly in 4K, so I uh, didn't really <laughs> I couldn't really see it. But uh, and I didn't have time to watch the entire uh, run of all taxi shows to see where it was listed. But apparently, you can see it there too. Nice job, man. Nice, Good job. mind blown. I I tried. I tried. So, By the way, when OU812 was released, this is the second out of four straight number one albums by Van Halen. 5150 was their first album to hit number one. Mm-hmm. OU812 hits number one in June of 88, stays there for four weeks, uh, and ultimately sells four million copies in the U.S. Okay, guys, before we jump into the album, let's talk about the cover real quick. Yeah, the black yeah. cover, the white faces. Very reminiscent of the Beatles' first album called With the Beatles. We kind of, we had a text thread that we were sending all kinds of album covers that had the (laughs) same style of black and white, you know, deeply shadowed sides of the face. That was a pretty funny text thread because I just sent a picture of it and then I sent the Kiss Dynasty album and then I sent the Beatles with the Beatles album. And then you replied back with get the knack and then Jeff replied back with the cramps. It was, there was no words exchanged, just pictures yeah. of albums. I, I remember walking down the, down the road and I see the, 
I start seeing the text chain go off. No frame of reference, no, <laughs> no words. After like the third one, I was like, I know what we're doing here. I was like, <laughs> I can play this. Let game. me pull up the let me pull up the goo goo muck guys, the cramps. Yeah. This album was dedicated to Alex and Eddie's dad, Jan Van Halen, who had passed away just in December of 86, a little less than a year before they started the recording process on this album. He was a musician. He was the one that had initially introduced them to music. He played with the band on the cruise liner that they <laughs> came to America on, and they got to get up on stage and play piano and were the hit of the show. They literally played for their supper <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the way over from the Netherlands to the U U.S. Yep. Can I can I try to blow your mind one more time since you brought up yes. the, their father? Yes. Yes. So Van Halen is not for anything. They're, they're all about family, right? A lot of people don't really know this, but their father actually played on the Diver Down album. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, he played he played clarinet for one of the songs, technically making him the third of four Van Halen men to be in the lineup. You know, everyone oh, just assumes you got the brothers and you got Wolfgang. Yeah. Actually, yeah. dad, dad was there on Diver Down. So, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Are you guys ready to dive in track by track on OU812? I am all fired up. All right. I'm naturally wired right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First song out of the gate is a song called Mine All Mine. Okay, so if you've just bought this album for the first time and you push play and you're listening, you're suddenly confused because the tracks on the album were listed mm -hmm. in alphabetical order instead of the order of the songs on the album. And so you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like the right song. You're right, it's not. This one is called Mine All Mine, and it was actually the last one that Sammy recorded the vocals to. Why this is that, D? Because he was going nuts trying to write the song. <laughs> like the, he said, this was one of the hardest songs he ever had to write the lyrics to. Kind of got mad, threw things through the window, just went crazy trying to get the right lyrics to this song. Yeah, he said he wrote it and rewrote it like 10 different times. Said so his first time in his life that he really struggled with the lyrics, beat himself up about it. Said so it took him 10 torturous days during which time he had a bad hangover and private vocal training session with Don Landy. When he finally brought the song to the Van Halen brothers, he said he was very insecure about it. And when he hit play, they went F yeah, man. <laughs> so you, you mentioned Landy on this one. He was their engineer. He did the recording. There's not a producer listed on this album. I think the fact that they don't have a producer on this album actually hurts it a little bit. You know, we talked about how Andy Johns recorded the F-U-C-K album with them and gave them that Cinderella uh, type of direction on that album. Mm -hmm. So when you've got guys just kind of calling their own shots, I, I think you end up with some highs and lows in quality on this particular album. You run the risk of getting a little sloppy. Yeah. Absolutely. This song, Mine All Mine, is Sammy Hagar's favorite Van Halen song. 
Wow. Just I, I that surprises me. Maybe not favorite is the best word. Mm-hmm. I did see that. But I, mm-hmm. I think maybe proudest moment uh, lyrically for him. Okay, that I could that I could see. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I would love to hear if there is a world's biggest Van Halen fan. It happens to be my best friend and co-host at a film by podcast, Brad Kozo. I told Brad I was going to be on here. He was obviously just you know envy, jealousy. You know, he's like, "What you're talking?" I was like. Hey man, <laughs> you. <laughs> I, I got I got the call. So uh, we were talking about the track. So and he goes, man. He goes, I, I would love to hear the original version of mine, all mine. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, there is a much heavier version that exists that's never been released. I was like, well, where is it at? And he goes, well, that's it's locked away in Alex Van Halen's vault, I guess. You know, maybe someday they'll release it on a remaster or something like that. But, you know, we were talking about the Monsters of Rock tour and how they aren't like a heavy metal group. But and especially with Hagar, they get, you know, with Hagar, they got a little softer, like the melt, the, the music, you know, the ballads, the ballads start showing up. So anytime you, you get an opportunity to, to think like there's a heavier version of a of a Hagar Van Halen song, I would love to hear it. The drums, I mean, the start of the song, the drums coming in, that, that lends itself mm-hmm. to a heavier, thrashier oh, yeah. metal, if you will. I, I thought it was a great intro to the album. The song itself is not one that wowed me, but I thought just the intro to the song was a great way to like jump in, give it good, hard beat right out of the gate. I thought that was a, a nice touch. What'd you guys think of the song? I think it's middle of the road. I think it's good, particularly on this album. There are great songs. There are not great songs and very few kind of in the middle. But I think this is this one's good, but not great. I think uh, I'm going to agree with D. Great music in this one. I don't know that it really tells a story, though. The lyrics, I, I can I can understand why he rewrote it seven or ten times. The lyrics are kind of a little all, all over the place. I don't really follow it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I would say middle of the road. It's it's not a bad way to open the album. I would have picked a different song to open the album, which we'll get to in a couple of tracks. But uh, overall, I still like it. Mine, all mine. Okay, guys, on to song number two. This song is called "When It's Love." So this one jumps out at me and the thing that interestingly jumps out at me first is this really cool echo effect that happens throughout the song. It's like this slapback click that I don't think I've ever heard on any other song. And I'm fascinated by how this beautiful song is enhanced by this little raspy click, like the click of a piano key or the the click of a, a drum rim i'm not sure what it is i tried to figure it out i tried to find it i can't i can't figure out what it is but i love it and then you're talking about that yes yeah. that that is what i am talking I'm about just making sure yeah. we're on the same page okay <laughs> I, I i knew what he was talking about i could hear it in my in my head <laughs> and then when they come in with the harmonies on this song there's a reason that this is one of the top power ballads of all time Too beautiful to, 
to turn it down. When you talk about radio-friendly hits for Van Halen, I mean, this is ought to be the first one that comes out of your mouth. It's this, the pinnacle, right? I, for radio-friendly hits for them, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like a warm Snickers bar. I mean, it just, <laughs> it just is so easy on the soul when I hear this one. It's just beautiful. It goes really well together. Love Sammy's vocals. Just before it melts. Just right before it is too melty, yes. Where the chocolate's still there, but the caramel center is nice and creamy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this song this song started as a piano and drums combination. Eddie gave it this guitar riff that he says is a nod to Eric Clapton. And this is not his speed solo style. This is more like slow hand, very beautiful, slow, melodic. Eddie Van Halen. I absolutely adore this song. It is one of the greatest power ballads ever written. My understanding is it's the first song written for the album. When they heard that piano and drum, when he played it, they're like, you know, Sammy immediately was like, you know, he he's known for when he doesn't have lyrics, just just humming. And he said, I just heard it in my head. Just how do how do I know when it's love? And I just started singing it. And he it, before we got to the studio, it was done. It was a done deal. We knew it. We had it ready to go. This is the song. Mm-hmm that they played in the car when they picked him up from the airport. They yeah. said, hey, listen to this. We This is what we've been working on. What do you think? They pop it in. You have that little tune that they played for him, mm-hmm. and the lyrics just fell out. They pick him up at the airport. They say, hey, man, we got to play something for you. We kind of stayed up all night doing this. And he jokingly takes offense. He's like, you you guys started without me? Come on. I'm in the studio yet. But <laughs> he fell in love with what he heard, just just like the rest of us. It's it's such a beautiful song. Second single, released June of 1988. This is the first video with Sammy in the band. No videos mm-hmm. from 5150. The first single from this album gets no video treatment, which I found out the reason why. You know why? No, tell me. Warner no. Brothers didn't like to pay for vi- music videos. Mistake. But they got on the train with this album because they realized what a juggernaut MTV was. Little late to the party. This is 1988. You know, it was already a juggernaut in 83. They didn't like to pay for music videos, but they decided, hey, we want to move records this time. And so they upped the ante and paid for this music video. Now then, it's performance based. I think it's really cool. Sammy is wearing a red suit. And as we know, he is known as the Red Rocker. The Red Rocker. Yeah. Red Rocker. <laughs> so also in the music video, it's pretty cool. You do have Eddie playing that slow solo and he does one of his standard moves where he hits a note and then he kind of wiggles his hair and then goes back to it. Mm-hmm. And and Sammy does this little squeal, but they actually get Eddie lip syncing that squeal. It's kind of a neat little trick in the in the music video. I was gonna say you mentioned this is you know one of the one of the first singles. This is number five out of all the four singles they do, this is the, the one that ranks the highest. Number five on the Billboard Hot 100. Do you want to hear the four better songs? If that I, wasn't I a do. softball loss, <laughs> like, I don't know what was. Listen, I I'm a fan of the show. I know I know where Jason goes uh, with My these kinds go of uh, openings. Yeah, I want to know what's better. What what four options are better than when it's love? Because I I'm ready to I'm ready to fight on them. Okay, so this reaches number five, as you said, September mm-hmm. 10th of 1988. Here we go. Number four, Monkey by George Michael. That's interesting. That'll okay. Come up in a Okay. Really? It, yeah. Really? Okay. okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I like that song. I'm a big fan of the Faith album. I don't think this is that's a better song than When It's Love. Not at all. Not a chance. Okay. Number three, Perfect World by Huey Lewis and the News. 
I don't even remember that one. I love Huey Lewis and the news, but that song is not better than this song. Number two, Simply Irresistible by Robert Palmer. Okay, now that's a big one. It's a huge song. You've got the uh, girls in the uh, swimsuit and playing the instruments behind him, Mm -hmm. and they kind of upped it from the Addicted to Love video. And then finally, number one, Sweet Child of Mine. Ah, okay. Huge song, summer of 1988, and continues to be a classic. I can I can see that. Okay, one more thing on the video. Sammy does not see himself as an actor. He doesn't like acting, and he doesn't like lip syncing. Like, that is not his thing. So he doesn't <laughs> like to lip sync. So when he does these music videos, he just belts out the lyrics, right? He belts out the words, and he just sings. Well, on, when he was recording this video, he sang so strong that he blew out his voice. And they had to actually cancel a concert that they had set up. Suffering for your art, but maybe a little too much. Yeah. So this was the second single released from the album. The B-side to this one was Cabo Wabo, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Yep. But, I mean, that's a worthy song to have on your B-side. I can't believe that was on the B-side. That's surprising that that's a B-side. It didn't get released as a single, so, I mean, that's the next next best thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Smart. Okay, song number three. This song is called AFU, Naturally Wired. tempo drum beat and then guitar comes in i don't i don't think i mentioned this but i'm pretty sure this is the transition album where eddie starts to go to the ernie ball guitars this song it sounds to me like he picked up the old frankenstrat again and and started going at it with a more raw feel on the guitar sound on this one uh throwback to van halen's earlier days what did you guys think I think you're absolutely right. I I have to believe that this is this is the Franken strut because like it it just it just sounds like classic Van Halen when he when that guitar comes in. I, I love this song. Every band has what they call a, the road song, you know, like Metallica has wherever I may room. Beastie Boys have No Sleep Till Brooklyn. This is the road song for Van Halen. Sammy loved it so much that this is the opener for the OU81 tour. Uh, OU812 tour. So I think it's fantastic. This is a great concert kickoff song the yeah fact I, I might have call it the ou81 tour as <laughs> an absolute miss they should have called it the ou81 tour yes yeah yes by the way when i say that this is a great concert opener which clearly they agreed with me they closed the monsters of rock shows with this song they ended the night with afu and rock and roll by led zeppelin that's a that's pretty a good fun. closer that'd yeah. be pretty fun wouldn't that'd it be awesome yeah absolutely yes, That is a throwback to the first time that they performed together during Farm Aid. First time that Sammy plays with them, they play that Led Zeppelin song because they literally, they haven't played together before. And so that's that's the Led Zeppelin song that they play. That's right. How about this little nugget? On this song, on the album, they have a guest appearance by Patti Smythe from Scandal. Maybe you know her from The Warrior, Goodbye to You. 
Well, you mentioned in our earlier Van Halen episodes when they were trying to decide who will be the replacement singer for He Sh- Who Shall Not Be Named, Patti Smythe was top on the list. Eddie mm-hmm. Van Halen wanted Patti Smythe as their replacement singer. And she's got a great voice. Oh, yeah. Great voice. But that takes them a totally different direction. I'm glad we didn't go down that road, honestly. Yeah. While I was preparing for this episode, I read Sammy's book called Red. Mm-hmm. During the Great time reading. of this album, Sammy's wife, her name is Betsy. She had some really crazy mental issues. And I just found this story kind of interesting. I want to drop it right here. During this time, they would go back and forth to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. One time when they were flying back from Mexico, her anxiety was off the chart. And she started to freak out at 26,000 feet. She started to pull her own hair out. And at 26,000 feet, she starts screaming and tries to open the door and jump out. Oh, so this is kind of what is going on with him during this time. I mean, he's transitioned. He's in a fantastic rock band and they're the, got the number one album in America. And his, his wife is going crazy. This song was actually inspired by a very bad show they had. There was a stage fire. The, uh, the attendance was over capacity. So uh, when you listen to the lyrics, it kind of, you know, there's there's a little bit of that interjected into it, which... You know, a lot of people have always wondered, is that real? Is it not real? How? Why would they do that? But when you have a bad show that inspires a, a hit song like this, that's that's why you have crazy stipulations like that in your contract. Tell us about that Eminem stipulation. Oh, uh, well, for those who don't remember. So, you know, every celebrity, every, every band always has some crazy stuff that they want, whether it's like, I have to have this very specific brand of paper towels, you know, or... You know, this is our dietary needs or here's the sound check that we want. Here's the lighting that we want. Van Halen put it in their contract that a bowl of M&Ms must be in the the green room, the dressing room, and there cannot be a single brown M&M. And they said that was kind of like their thing. Uh, He who must not be named, (laughs) as Dee's saying, (laughs) uh, he he was on a a show one time and said, look, we did that as, as a detail, as a fine detail, because if we saw that that wasn't, if something little like that wasn't taken care of, something big probably wasn't taken care of. And then we would stop everything and then triple check all the lists and go through and stop everything because it was in their contract. If that happened, they could walk away and the promoter would have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, maybe millions. So you think, uh, when you, you hear stories like that, you think, man, that's just rock stars being crazy and foolish. But it, for Van Halen, it's it's a it's a very small, minor detail that they snuck in there just to see, does, is, is this guy reading everything that we're asking for before he signs on the dotted line? So I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Crazy like a fox, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're done with this one? All right. Next song on the album is a song called Cabo Wabo. Okay, so this big warm guitar that you're hearing is not the Frankenstrat. This is that Ernie Ball. This is that different sound. This is that round, 
fuzzy, totally different style, but I just eat it up on this song. Love how he comes in on this one. They had finished with the music already by the time they hook up with Sammy because obviously the solo tour that he had gone on. So they had finished with the music and he went away to go work on the lyrics and the place that he went was Cabo San Lucas. So that's where he got the lyrics for this. But the melody actually comes from a song that he had when he was with Montrose called Make It Last. Not even trying to hide this he's not absolutely even not right <laughs> total thievery right jason if you're stealing from yourself it can't be theft right <laughs> so good boy yeah i gotta give a little shout out to sammy hagar at this point okay so jason and i are both from oklahoma we were both living here in 1999 in may 3rd 1999 we had some of the worst tornadoes in oklahoma history past just a couple of miles north of where we lived at the time and um toby keith did a benefit concert at the ou stadium i went to that concert with my wife toby keith obviously played Willie Nelson came out and played a lady who became our very dear friend named Kelly Coffey, who was a, a big country singer at the time. She played and then Sammy freaking Hagar came out. Mr. Red Rocker himself came out and he was such an incredibly fun guy that even all these people, these country folks who showed up for country music absolutely ate it up. He was shooting off like these confetti cannons and having a great time. And one of the best parts of the show was him playing this song. That's awesome, man. I love nice. that. Absolutely. I love what he is selling on this song. This is like Jimmy Buffett meets Van Halen, right? This is about having a great time on vacation at the beach. White sand yeah. sure make a tan look nice, right? Yeah. This is the party song. This is this is like everyone's having fun. Everyone's having a good time. Yeah, and it's seven minutes worth of fun. Yeah. This is the it's longest song on the album and just kind of meanders around, talking about the beach, having a good time. Actually, the inspiration for this song, Sammy was down in Cabo San Lucas. He's writing lyrics for the album. He's driving around. He's going to breakfast one morning. And he comes around the corner and he almost takes out a path, like a pedestrian who's walking across the street who's drunk as a skunk. Mm -hmm. And he said to himself, he's like, that guy is doing the Cabo Wobble yep. because he's drunk. And so he shortened that to Cabo Wobbo. And then, of course, that goes on to become the name of his nightclub that he establishes with the Van Halen brothers. Mm -hmm. 
in Cabo San Lucas. And yeah. also his tequila. His world-changing tequila. Yeah. It's, his yeah, I mean, he, his he wonderful, delicious tequila. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. References the, the mezcal and the worm in this song, uh, which then inspires him to start his own tequila company. He drinks mezcal right from the bottle, and the guave worm is mine all mine. Hey, I got my salt and my little lick of lime ready to go. <laughs> Right before you got on with this, Jeff, I was watching on YouTube. MTV ran a contest, and I love mentioning these MTV contests. It's just fun to remember those. Anyway, they had a contest. Ten winners would have won a trip to Cabo San Lucas, and they got to spend the week down there and get to open the club. That was April of 1990. That was the opening for the Cabo Wabo Cantina. What an awesome time that would have been. Wouldn't that have been great? I would have loved it. I've been to Cabo Wabo in Las Vegas. The Oh, you have? Cool. A, yeah, I've been there a couple of times. I have I have had one too many cervezas, maybe a little too much tequila uh, there. <laughs> but that place, if you're ever in Las Vegas, that is the place to go to. It's it's a lot of fun. He's known to show up every now and then and and uh, perform a set. So he didn't. He I, he. I've not caught him there yet. But you know, anytime I'm in Vegas, I'm like heading to Cabo Wabo. I love this song. I think it is the second best song in the album. This is definitive Sammy Hagar to me. Right after I Can't Drive 55, this is the next song in line that says Sammy Hagar. I agree. Curious to see what you're, what you're saying is the first, but uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay, so that's the end of side one. Hit stop on your tape player. Kick it out. Flip it over for side two. And the first song on side two is Source of Infection. I'm eating this song up. This is not the Frankenstrat. This has got to be the, the the Ernie Ball guitar, in my opinion. I'm just guessing here. But he's playing it just like he did back in the 70s with that brown sound, that finger tapping. I'm loving it. And then Alex comes in with the drums from Hot For Teacher. I mean, it's all mm-hmm. kinds of yet warm feelings in my tummy about this song. I loved it. And then the lyrics aren't even really lyrics at all it's just kind of screams from sammy like as if to say hey i I realize your old singer could do this i can do it too let me show you what i got i love how this one starts it's definitely the hot for teacher drums eddie is absolutely shredding on this thing and musically it is fantastic it's weird when you think about the the inspiration behind it, but uh, you know, still, I I think it's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely love this one. Tell us about the inspiration behind this one. This is a source of infections all about Eddie and Valerie's time in Australia. He actually he got sick. He got really sick. He got uh, dengue fever. You know, I'm I'm not a doctor. I mean, I play one on television, but uh, <laughs> my my understanding is uh, it's a viral disease contracted by mosquitoes in the tropics. It causes sudden fever and acute joint pains. So to take something like that and turn it into a song like this is, it's wild. He's been married to Valerie Bertinelli for seven years at this point. They go down for their anniversary and this is what happens. But hey, you get a pretty kick butt song out of it, huh? 
Mm-hmm. What do you think of this song? Sarah? Well, I'm this. Yeah, is, I can see the skepticism on your face. No, no, it's okay. I far be it for me <laughs> to critique Eddie Van Halen on anything musically, but this is one of those songs where I think a producer, a strong producer, would be like, "All right, guys, this is a lot of fun. You guys are kind of screwing around, but uh, this is just you guys screwing around in the studio. This seems a little bit sloppy for me. It's not a skipper, but they can do better." You know who agrees with you? Eddie and Sammy. Eddie and Sammy. This is Sammy's least favorite. They regret the whole James Brown spoofing that they were doing with the the owls and the hey. And, you know, um, <laughs> you look at the lyrics, though, the ones where he's not like bebopping and scatting. It's a little politically incorrect. And and because of that, they're, they, you know, Sammy, in retrospect, they're, they're not happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do like the beginning of the song. You have the, uh, the very audible take one. And it seems to me like this song was recorded in one take. I think this is them going, you know what? We can do whatever we want. We're, we're Van Halen. I think you guys are off base. This was the hidden gem for me. This was the wow. song I had not heard before that I was like, ah, all right. This is fun. This is a throwback. I'm, I'm digging it. I really, really enjoyed this song. So I'm sorry. You guys are just wrong. Okay. Sammy, you're wrong. <laughs> You and Sammy and Eddie, all wrong. (laughs) All right, moving on to the next song in the album. This one is called Feels So Good. Another song made for radio. This is the most Van Hagar of all of the Van Hagar songs, in my opinion. You've got the strong synthesizer. I don't dislike it. It is just, mm-hmm. it is that sound. It is the sound of the new Van Halen. It's like the new Coke. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, did I, did I that loud? I'm sorry. Uh, better than new Coke. It It is, it's specifically designed to sound like Genesis. As someone that loves Phil Collins and Genesis, I love this song. It, it feels so good to hear. It feels so good. Hey, it feels so good. So good. Woo. And it feels so nice. So nice. When love goes around, I feel good. So good. So good. So good. Did you know that they actually had that as their name for a brief period of time? They had the name Genesis as the name of this band back in the mid seventies. And then they went, oops, somebody already has that name. Hey, yeah. I got good music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I love that. This is modeled after Genesis because I too love Phil Collins and Genesis. Yeah. I love radio friendly hits with a, a rock edge to them. This is right down my wheelhouse. I'm with Jeff. I love this song too. Roll down the windows. You're on the highway. Crank it up. Right. Yes. Right after Cabo Wabo. This, this just makes mm-hmm. you feel good. Now I know this song has been divisive among Van Halen fans. Okay. Is it a cheesy, radio-friendly love song? Yes. Is it super catchy? Yes. Does mm-hmm. it have a killer guitar solo? Ooh, yes. yes, it does. It has a blistering guitar solo. I absolutely... I mean, people sleep on it, but it is awesome.
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there because I, and not that I dislike the song at all, love the song, but the guitar solo performed by 90% of the musicians in the world at that time, yes, it would be screeching. Performed by Eddie Van Halen, it's okay. It's nothing compared to many of his other solos. Jeff, he's off his rocker. Wow. He does not feel so good about this. <laughs> I don't feel so right. Hey, this was the fourth <laughs> single off the album, fourth and final single. Reached number 35 in the Hot 100. I think the lyrics may be an ode to Message in a Bottle by the Police. What it's got to be, right? Yeah. I think there's a connection there. Yeah. Radio Friendly Hit. Love it. So did you uh, did you watch the video on this one? The director for this one is a guy named um, Andrew Morahan. And this was the second video off of this album that he had directed for him. He also did the video for Finish What You Started, which we'll talk about here in just a second. To say this guy was prolific, this was the... 15th music video that he had directed in 1988. Wow. Among the others, we have Scritti Politti and multiple George Michael yeah. songs, including Father Figure, Faith, Kissing a Fool, and Monkey. <laughs> oh, there it is. Wow. <laughs> he was a part of the decision to have George Michael wear that hat. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Moving on to the next song in the album. This is called Finish What You Started. Question is, can Eddie Van Halen pick country? The answer is yes. Can Eddie Van Halen interrupt sex and come up with a great song? This, I got to tell you, is, <laughs> yes. is my favorite story you told during uh, part three of our Van Halen versus Van Hagar episodes. So please, please share the story with us again. Okay, so here's the story. Eddie and Sammy live next door to each other. And one night, Sammy is, you know, feeling frisky and so he starts to make moves on his wife warming her up and uh getting ready to enjoy a moment with his wife and some fool is banging on his back door and he gets up to kind of look outside he says dark looks down all he sees is the red light from the cigarette that eddie is smoking and he screams down and he was like go away dude it's late and he's like, no, I got an idea for a song. Come down here. And he's like, dude, I'm in. I'm doing something right now. And he's like, no, come on down here. So Eddie, quittus interruptus, <laughs> messes up Sammy's love session. So Sammy's like, what can I do? He was my, my best friend and my songwriting partner. My wife could wait. So he comes downstairs and her rule was no smoking in the house. So he had to sit on the back patio bathrobe <laughs> and that is all hiding the uh the man behind the bathrobe <laughs> pay no attention <laughs> and they sit down and they start to compose this song which eddie had kind of come up with the idea of the guitar and the lyrics come from a interrupted sex session with sammy and his wife Yes. 
Interruptus. Quintus Interruptus. <laughs> One of my favorite things, when when Sammy was talking about this story, this is 2 o'clock in the morning when this happens. And when asked, like, how could you possibly go down and do what you did? Sammy says, and I quote, Anytime anybody's got a good song idea, or some good dope, or some good tequila, or some good pussy, I will be there, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> there it is. I mean, that's, you know... Words to live by, right? <laughs> Sammy is not one to miss out on a good time. I, I guarantee no, you that. he's not. Did you know this was the third single? It reached number 13 on the charts. Let's talk about the video for this song. Filmed in black and white. So I saw Sammy interviewed. He said Andy Morhan's biggest contribution to the band was bringing in hot girls for the video. <laughs> and in this video, there are some eye-catching women. Jason and I had a debate about this. We were watching the video before we started, and I was like, that's Kari from the remote control game show on MTV. Oh. He was like, nah, it just looks like her. I'm like, that's her. <laughs> and he's like, well, they did an interview with her, so I don't really think it's her. I'm like, that's probably how she got the interview. And she was smoking hot back then. Come on. Kari War is still smoking hot. I don't know if you've seen her lately. She is still bringing the heat. She was one of the major reasons for me watching Remote Control all the time. The only reason, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> you say it wasn't Colin Quinn? And it wasn't Adam Sandler. Yeah. That's right. No. <laughs> you know, I, we talk about Cabo Wabo being the, the party song. I think Finish What You Started is like, it's right in that wheelhouse. It's This is one of the funnest tracks. And it, it appeals to everybody, you know, it's... You know, a little bit of acoustic guitar, a little bit. It's slow. It's fast. It's it's just fun. And the double entendres that are that are in the song make it fun. I love this song. It's track. It's, it's great. This guitar solo, even though it is totally different than any other Eddie Van Halen guitar solo, is a far better guitar solo than the one you referenced earlier. It is fantastic. It's fun. It's silly. It's country, and it is great. I've heard Sammy say that this is actually the real Van Halen. Like, if you wanted to come and hang out with Van Halen, like, on a daily basis, this would be more of what they play. By the way, this song was used as the theme music for a short-lived 1990 sitcom called Sydney, which starred Valerie Bertinelli. Valerie Bertinelli? Okay. Wow. I, my mind is blown now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> By the way, the rest of the story is Sammy came back to bed and could not quite generate the same spark that was there earlier. <laughs> couldn't finish what he started. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> you say yes. Please. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next song. The best song, in my opinion. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. This song is called Black and Blue. What do you guys think this song's about? <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what it's about. Flip and slide. Push it in. You've got the rhythm. This is Coitus Uninterrupted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this song, I cannot listen to this song because of our Van Hagar episode without thinking about strippers. Don't go the night. Honey, I ain't so 
Jason said this is the <laughs> ultimate stripper song, and now I can't hear it without going, yep, I can see how this would go. Yep, I can I can imagine how this part's going. Yep, it's all that uh, I can This is it. a total stripper song. Yeah. And it's a fantastic stripper song. It is. Uh, you know, hey, good writers write what you know. And <laughs> this move, th- this song comes from Sammy's experience during the 5150 tour. He literally was black and blue and had to abstain for a week because he was he was hurting in some tender areas. Do it to me, baby, till we're black, till it's black and blue. <laughs> he is quoted as saying this is a masterpiece of phrasing in this song, in this track. <laughs> hey, this song just oozes sex. I think. Oh, gosh, yeah. So for me, this is the best Sammy Hagar Van Halen song. This is my absolute favorite. It's irresistible. It's a turn it up to 11, top down, turn it up. But I also think this is the Sammy Hagar song that's most like Dave. I could totally yeah. see Dave singing this song. This is definitely, yeah, I could see that. I don't know who you're talking it's, about. Did I say Dave? I'm sorry. Little, I, I, <laughs> this is this is his kind of callback. Like, hey, I, I can be a little trashy too. I can be a little, I can be a little wild. I can be a little he dirty. Can, reach down between his legs and ease the sea back <laughs> with the best of them, right? With the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This is the first single release this reached number one on the rock charts, number 34 on the Hot 100. For me, this is the best song on the album. You'll stand by that? I'm standing by it. I'm spiking the football. <laughs> this is the best song on the album. Ah, yes. Okay. Okay. I love it, but I can't say it's the best song on the album. Okay. Agreed. It's good. It's not temple oh man it's maybe a stake but it's not a temple okay all right you know i i saw sammy talking about what it was like being in a band with two brothers he said that uh <laughs> they always had the majority in the band right they always had each other's back and they loved each other dearly but they would fight like cats and dogs and when he said they would fight they would actually fist fight and these are you know 30 and 40 year old men and he said it would start like this hey al can i have a cigarette hey man get your own cigarettes hey man f you Oh, yeah, F you. And that was it. That's all it took. <laughs> Fist fight. He said when they got really mad, they would yell at each other in Dutch. And when they were yelling at each other in Dutch, they said, just got out of the way, you know, and just let them go for it. All right. Next song on the album is called Sucker in a Three Piece. So this one is, again, a throwback to the sound of early Van Halen. Very, very much so. However, does not hit me in the feels the way that the others do. This one is uh, it's not my, this is probably my least favorite song in the album. It definitely harkens back to the earlier sound. If you listen carefully, you're going to hear the drums from Panama. I don't love it, but I won't skip it. Yeah, I'm kind of with D. This, is, this doesn't quite do it for me. This is the one of the valleys on the album for me. Now, it's it a is, valley. It's hardcore Van Halen, and it's fun. I mean, but not my favorite. It probably is better live. I think they missed, maybe missed something in the studio when they were recording it. I couldn't tell you what it is. I couldn't put my finger on it. The song itself is about a gold digger woman. Uh, they've got a throwback on it, though. The, they, the, one of the lyrics is nine on a ten scale, which is an album from Sammy Hagar from, like, 1976, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really cool. I like that. Nice little throwback there. That's pretty cool, but uh, it doesn't save the song. You like the lyrics, uh, her legs go straight up to her lunch pail? (laughs) This is uh, Sammy trying to, you know, we talked about this with Black and Blue. He can be dirty with the rest of them. I could see this being a a track that that they would have played with with the former frontman based on on some of the lyrics. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, it's about that gold digger. He's, he's writing this song in Cabo San Lucas the same time he's doing Cabo Wabo, and he was at the Twin Dolphins when he saw what he said was a gorgeous, like, 20-something-year-old girl with a 60-year-old, fat, ugly, balding guy. And he was like, how, how could you possibly think she loves you, you know? This guy's a sucker. <laughs> the, Maybe hence the lyrics. he doesn't care if she loves him. <laughs> Maybe he just thinks it feels so good. <laughs> Maybe he just wants to do it till he's black and blue. <laughs> yeah, I saw Surpri- that story that he saw her poolside and mm-hmm. uh, was knocked over by her beauty. But when he saw the person she was with, that guy's a sucker. Okay, so that actually takes us to the end of the cassette tape. Yeah, if you had the cassette or the vinyl, that was the last song that you got to hear. But if you got the CD, which you could get in 1988, if you got the CD, you got one more song on this one. An encore, if you will, a cover of a Little Feet song called A Political Blues. It's home, it was jamming This song, when it was done by Little Feet, was actually produced by Ted Templeman and Don Landy. So Don knew just how to set up the microphones for this one. <laughs> he was ready to go. He's like, I got this, guys. I got it. I feel like listening to this song. I love it. Like, I would love to see them in a club playing this song. But I also just feel like they could have been in a club playing this song. This is... I feel like they're like, hey, let's throw one extra song in for the CD since we got a little extra time. And they probably did this in one take. I agree with that. I think this is a club only type of song. Back in the day when I had a cassette player and I had a CD player, which do I want? Is A Political Blues worth it? Nope. It's just them screwing around. If they did something else really cool, now that would have been great, but this ain't it. If there's one skipper on this whole album, this is it. If it's up to me, like we talked about Cabo Wabo being the fun party, it's probably about 1230 or one o'clock in the morning at Cabo, when we're doing Cabo Wabo. This song is like 334 a.m. when <laughs> it's there's like four people left in the in the bar. I hear this song and I immediately see Anthony Michael Hall going, you know, fats man, let me tell you about this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just take it off of this album. And it's a good, it's a good bluesy song. It's fun, but it's it doesn't. I don't think it belongs on this album. I, I agree with you. This is the three thirty a.m. Everybody, tip your waitresses. Be careful on the way home. Thanks for coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good night. This is the perfect song for us to transition into final judgment on these two albums. I, I feel like this could have been a great song, but they dialed it in. Well, before we three do our final judgment, let's listen to Kevin Davis, who was our guest on Cinderella's Long Cold Winter. Let's hear his final judgment between Cinderella's Long Cold Winter and Van Halen's OU812 album. If you're asking me to compare bands, I would have to say Van Halen is uh, by head and shoulders above Cinderella. But whenever you put these two albums side by side, Long Cold Winter is the better quality album. More hits to it, more listenability. It's got a song on the uh, 1988 makeout list. (laughs) Got some other songs that can, that are contenders, <laughs> but OU812 was not one of my favorite Van Halen albums. Probably not even in my top five. Any of those uh, top five Van Halen albums would have blown any anything Cinderella could do out. But when you compare Long Cold Winter to OU812, I'm going to give the nod to uh, Long Cold Winter. Well, there you go. 
I mean, the man obviously is a Van Halen fan who still appreciates that there was a better album. Well, I guess I just tipped my hand. I'll go first. On my final judgment on this album, this is not the most lopsided comparison that we've ever had, but in my opinion, is very lopsided. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't own either one of these two albums, so a lot of these songs I was hearing for the first time. To me, Cinderella got that blues feel right, where Van Halen missed the boat like they did with the AA political blues. I like OU812. I think there are several really good songs on the album. It's not the best Van Halen album, and it even as a big Van Halen fan, it's not even the best Van Hagar album. It's a good album. It's worthy of 1988's success for sure. So my opinion is that Long Cold Winter is far and away a better album of these two albums. Jeff, thank you for guesting with us this week. What is your opinion between these two albums? The big surprise for me when you asked me to to join you on this one, again, I'm a huge Van Halen fan, so I, I thought, well, this isn't going to be fair. But when I turned on a Long Cold Winter, it blew me away because it, it had been probably, I don't know, 20 years or, or more since I had heard it. And it is, I think it's the best Cinderella album. I mean, you, you start right off with like, it's like four or five tracks right in a row that are just hit after hit after hit i was loving it and the whole time i'm listening to it i'm like this might be better than ou812 i i gotta i gotta be honest here i gotta i gotta look at this so uh you know in the end it comes down to this for me cinderella their sound it's it's fantastic but it actually you know like like the last song on the on the album coming home when i listen to it i'm coming home to the 80s it is quintessential 80s rock like big hair rock and sometimes you're in the mood for that sometimes you're not meanwhile OU812 while it might not be the greatest Van Halen album it's still a great album and I don't feel like it's dated in any sense you know I can hear Cabo Wabo 20 years ago I can hear it now and it just sounds it's a fun party song you you know Jason you talked you know you kind of said like "Ah, it's like a Jimmy Buffett thing so for me it's a photo finish but I'm I'm gonna stick with Van Halen Uh, I'm gonna go OU812 is the better album and it's it's such a close call because D is right. If you appreciate the bluesy sound, turn on Cinderella because they nail it. But I think Van Halen has more fun. I'm going with Van Halen. All right. So it's two to one currently. Two for Long Cold Winter, one for OU812. Thank you for that, Jeff. So for me, I love both these albums. These were very important albums to me in 1988. It comes down to the fact that on OU812, you've got peaks and you've got valleys. And the peaks are awesome. I love Cabo Wabo and I love Black and Blue and When It's Love and I love Feel So Good. The valleys, Sucker in a Three-Piece, Source of Infection, Apolitical Blues, those peaks are lower on OU812 than any of the peaks on Long Cold Winter. So because of that... I am casting my vote and spiking my football. Long Cold Winter is the better of these two albums. Wow. Arlen is going to be shaking his fist. Sorry, Arlen. Radio right now. (laughs) Arlen always sides with you, but he called it wrong. Hey, I love them both, but I got to I got to call them like I see it. (laughs) I thought for sure you were lining up on the Van Halen camp with me. Cinderella Long Cold Winter is a minor masterpiece. Lose rock. 
Well, Shirley fans, tell us what you think. You can catch us at Twitter. You can email us if you are pulling your hair out like you're stuck on a jet at 24,000 feet <laughs> because of things that we have said. Hit us up and tell us where we got it wrong. We don't mind being corrected. Uh, we hope we didn't come across as a bunch of tools on this episode. Um, <laughs> a bunch of suckers. <laughs> But uh, tell us what you think. You can catch us on Twitter at ShirleyPodcast.com. You can email us, ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Facebook also at Shirley Podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for coming and joining us, man. I can't wait. We've got an episode coming up again with the a film by guys where we're going to talk about the what the heck happened with a couple of movies. Yeah, we're talking about Last Action Hero with our good buddy Jeff Johnson of the Film by Podcast, where he is going to defend the indefensible. <laughs> <laughs> tip, tip of my hand already for me. Oh, uh, sorry. No, no, you have you have been firing shots for a couple weeks now <laughs> about about some of those movies, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just I'll just wait. I'll state my case when it's time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be a fun debate. It is. Where can we find you, man? You can hear a film by um, we're streaming on all the platforms. If you want to check us out on social media, you can hit us uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at a film by podcast and uh, our website, www.afilmbypodcast. And we're on Patreon as well. A film by podcast where we have some fun. We're uh, new episodes every Tuesday uh, and usually bonus episodes, uh, usually on Fridays and Sundays. So. All right, everybody. Catch us next week when we've got Jeff and Brad back to talk about Last Action Hero. And then I think we're going to have you back again. We're going to talk about Alien 3. An awesome film. D's, D is, his face is just all scrunched up. Uh, I'll defend, <laughs> I'll, I will defend Fincher's Alien 3. Oh, wow. That's going to be fun. We're going to talk about what the heck happened for those two movies. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys.